to have the opportunity to share with you. Um, I don't get to do it very often, so I'm going to be honest. The, the nerves are a little, you know, they're there. But um, I, I do love the Lord, and I do love his word. And probably the most best thing I could do is just to inspire and encourage others. So that's really my heart this morning is just to be able to do that. But one great thing about starting a new year is you kind of get the opportunity to look back on the year behind and kind of put an end to it. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure all of us are in the same boat. We're ready to just put an end to uh, 2021 and look forward to new beginnings. 2022 has been my prayer as um, the last couple of days, is that it would be new beginnings for in our personal lives, in our country, in our world, that God would give us new beginnings, a fresh start. As a young girl, I loved Anna Green Gables. I don't know if any of you know what Anna Green Gables is, but it was a movie, and it, it just hooked me. And it was actually the first book series I ever read, like, all the way through. It, it gave me my love for books. And uh, one of the famous lines in that movie is that tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes in it. And I've used that line many times with my kids, you know, or with people that I talk to. It's like, you know what, it's already gone, it's already passed. Tomorrow is a new day, and there's no mistakes in it. So that's how I think about 2022, is that 2021, you might have had mistakes, but 2022 is a new beginning, and there's no mistakes in it yet, right? All right, well, as we begin this new year, we're going to be talking about stepping into what God has for us. Uh, we all have a past. We all have things that we've struggled with. Um, I think if we were all honest, we could all say there, there are things that used to be a part of us, but as we've grown to know the Lord, um, he's changed us. And maybe those things that used to be difficult or things that we used to struggle with aren't so hard anymore. That's because when Jesus comes in, he has a way to teach us, and he has a way to show us how to live. God loves to give new beginnings. He's the one that teaches us how to move forward, and he is the one that shows us his will for our life. So this morning, I hope to share with you how to move forward hand in hand, side by side with God. And how many of us would say that going into 2022, we would like to know that you are in the absolute most perfect will of God? Yeah? How would you like to know that you are connected to his heart? That's the only place I want to be. I want to know that I'm in the will of God, and I want to know that I'm connected to his heart. To me, that's the most important place. I thought about how I would communicate this to you. And the best, most simple phrase I could come up with to be in that perfect place is to surrender to the law of God. At first, you might sound, that phrase sounds kind of difficult. It sounds confusing. It sounds unattainable. Surrender to the law of God. I mean, how does a person even do that? I don't know about you, but all my life, when I heard the word law, it felt like a really big word. It has finality to it. It makes you think of the phrase, um, I'm going to lay down the law, or don't you break the law. The word law is strong. It's harsh at times. It's intimidating. It makes you feel like, you know, you could be in trouble for something. 
But what the Lord has been teaching me when it comes to his law is that those thoughts and feelings that I have about that word are actually a very worldly perspective. And what I mean by worldly perspective is that it's void of God. It's void of his thoughts and his ways. God is not present in my perspective when it comes to his law. But isn't it just like God to turn what we think we know upside down and backwards? I mean, every time we think we know something about him, every time we dive into something and you really learn about it, he flips it all around and you're like, wow, it really means that? We just came out of the Christmas season and we sang that song, Oh Holy Night. And the phrase he truly taught us how to love one another for his law is love and his gospel is peace. You know, I sang this song all my life and I never grabbed a hold of that line like I have over the past few weeks. When we look closely, we will see that God's law is love. He is both. He is both the law and he is both love. And he completes them both. Before Jesus came to us, God gave us an eternal law, except it was written on stone tablets. And I think it's important to highlight that these eternal laws uh, will always remain eternal because that's the one thing about God. What he sets into motion to be will always be. God gave us those Ten Commandments to reveal first our need for him, to keep us on the right path and track, and that we would know how to be close to him. You know, God always felt like he was far away, and it was always his heart that we would feel close. These commandments are still very much in plan for our lives today. And again, they will always be even into eternity. If we could just honor them fully, we would remain in his perfect will. It seems simple enough, right? But it's actually impossible when our flesh desires the things that we know are wrong. The truth is no one can obey God's law completely until our hearts are changed. In our human weakness, we always have a knack for messing everything up. We just love to take matters into our own hands. We love to fix everything ourselves. We oftentimes use our worldly thinking, which is void of God. And we've turned God's law into something that he gave us to protect us, to guide us, to show us how to be close to him, into a list of do's and don'ts on paper, a three-step program because we love to turn everything into, if I could just do A, B, and C, and one, two, three, I'll have all my boxes checked and I'm good. Doesn't that feel like a lot of what we do? But the entire heart of God gets missed. It gets all twisted up and completely misunderstood. The law becomes almost like a dirty word, like it makes us feel ashamed, judged, distant from God, like we're in trouble, it also becomes the word that we can so easily judge others by. It's tainted by religion. It's tainted by pride, which is all about what we can accomplish for God on our own. 
That's how we look on the outside. So our Heavenly Father, in his great love and patience for us, did what only he could do. He physically came down to show us what the law really is and what it really means. He came to win our hearts. 600 years before Jesus came, the prophet Jeremiah prophesied what God would do someday. Jeremiah saw that the people's hearts were very hard, and they just could not obey the law. He also saw that someday God would find a new way to connect to his people. Not that he would do away with the law, but he would find a way to empower the people to obey him from their hearts. So we're going to look at a few verses. It says in Jeremiah 24, 7, I will give them hearts that recognize me as the Lord. They will be my people, and I will be their God. For they will return to me wholeheartedly. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied the exact same thing. In Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you, and you will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God knew his law had to become something that was internal. It wasn't enough to try to please him from this outward expression. It just doesn't work to have God's laws just written on paper if our hearts are far from him. If the law remains external, it'll always be about what we can do for God in our own strength. But God decided it would be best if he could somehow just learn, get our, his word written upon our heart. In Jeremiah 31, 33, he says, But this is a new covenant I will make with the people of Israel for those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Now, I read a quote this week when I was studying for this, and I thought it was pretty profound, so I'm going to read it to you. It was written by Dallas Willard, and in it he wrote, A time will come in human history, when human beings will follow the Ten Commandments and so on as regularly as if they fall to the ground if they step off a roof. They will then be more astonished to see that someone would lie or steal or covet than they now when someone will not. The law of God will be written in their hearts just as the prophets foretold. This is an essential part of the future triumph of Christ and deliverance of humankind in the history and beyond. Can you even imagine a world like this? That's what we have to look forward to when Jesus is ruling and reigning and he is building his kingdom. Instead of right being wrong and wrong being right, God will turn it all back just how he intended Matthew 5.17 says, Do not think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets, but I've come, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, for until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. This verse is just 
confirming once again that these laws are eternal and they're never going away. And I thought about if you're a parent or if you're, you know, you remember being a teenager, this will be a good analogy. Um, you know, as we raise our kids, there's certain truths that we really try really hard to instill in them. These are all the things that are important to you, like etiquette and morals. You want them to grab hold of them as they go through their life. You want them to have certain house rules, or uh, let's convert that now, and let's just say that there's certain house commandments, like go to church on Sunday, read your Bible, pray before you go to sleep, say please and thank you. Hey, look people in the eye when they're talking to you. Hey, when you go to work, work hard. Be the best worker there, right? These are all things that we, we want to instill in our kids. And when they're little, they learn the rules. And honestly, when you're a kid, you, you're happy to please your parent, and you accept them easily. And they also know that the consequences that you put in place if one of those rules are broken. But as they mature, these rules somehow become very difficult, all of a sudden, these rules are no longer protections. These rules are like you're stealing their fun and you're making them miss out on their best life, right? They feel judged. Maybe your kids or maybe you have felt trapped and under control. And somehow we get lost, even as kids, into that worldly thinking. My parents just don't understand. Unless those rules are rooted in love and put deep inside of their hearts. When your children mature someday and they realize, wow, mom and dad, they really did love me a lot. They sacrificed a lot for me. That those lessons that they were trying to teach me, they, they were actually really amazing. And you know, wow, I just never want to hurt them. I actually want their blessing back. And I never want to do anything to, to cause them pain or, or cause them distress. When that switches, it's because the love that they have for you has taken root in their heart, and they no longer have that desire to push against the things that they know are important to you. The house rules become something they love to do because it's embedded inside of their heart, and they want to feel close to you again. Obedience out of love, and you know it's the same exact way with God. Now, can you have good behavior with God? Yes. I know many people that are just good, pe good people, and they have great behavior, and they can be absolutely far away from God. And since we're talking about good behavior that is not connected to the heart, I'm going to share with you a humbling but yet kind of funny story. When I was a young girl with my sister, and we were fighting, and yes, the Beale girls actually fought. <laughs> okay, we were normal. My husband always teases me that, you know, we were like the cleavers or something. But this was not my best moment. I don't know how old I was. I don't know, probably 10. I'm laying on the couch, resting, and my sister Emily, you know, laid on the floor in front of, um, front of me. And she decided she kind of had this silliness about her. And um, she reached her foot up, and she kind of tapped me with it. I was okay, but it kind of annoyed me. I didn't say anything. And a couple minutes by, she decided she was going to put her foot up there and tap me again. And I said, hey, hey, Emily, please quit tapping me, okay? She just got that little grin. 
couple seconds later go by, I feel her foot come up and tap me again a couple of times. Now I'm getting really annoyed. And I said, listen, don't tap me again. I'm going to have to hurt you, okay? Don't do it. So the next couple seconds go by, what happened? She puts her foot up there, and she had to do it. She had to tap me again, and the next thing I knew, I sit up, I swing my legs around, in which I have really long legs, and I kicked her as hard as I could right into her thigh. Okay, she screamed so loud. It, it like, scared me at first. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I broke her leg. I didn't actually break her leg, but it, like, bruised really bad. It was not my best moment, okay? And my dad comes in there, and he's just, like, you know, figuring out what happened. So I'm trying to tell him the story and blah, blah, blah. And my dad always had just, like, these very unique ways to solve, you know, issues like this. So he had Emily get up on the couch, and he had me get on the floor in reverse positions, okay? I'm already just... You know, you know, when you're a teenager or a young kid, just him asking you to do these kind of things is just super annoying. So he says to me, okay, I want you to look your sister in the eye, and I want you to tell her you're sorry, and I want you to ask her to forgive you. Okay, that is the last thing I wanted to do. Okay, she deserved it, right? She, I told her to stop. I warned her I was going to kick her. She did not care. But my dad knew the hesitation, and he waited and waited, and the words just wouldn't come out, okay? I, they, they just, I couldn't get the words out. So he said, Jesse, you know, if you can't say you're sorry and ask her to forgive you, then you're going to have to kiss her kneecaps as well. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> that is not going to happen. I am not going to kiss her kneecaps. I told you, my dad did strange things. This is why we're all kind of crazy, okay? He, he, I was like, there is no way I am going to kiss her kneecaps, okay? So I found the words. I found the words. Emily, I'm sorry. It's like a robot. Will you forgive me? <laughs> you know, and I went through the motions of it. But let me tell you, my heart was far from being sorry. I mean, now I look back, I really am sorry. I mean, if I could go back, that was really mean. I mean, I hurt, I really did hurt her pretty good. But I said I was sorry with my lips, but honestly, in my heart, I did not want to do it. And I'm sure many of you have had those instances. But let me just stop and say, you know, sometimes in our relationship with God, if it's, if our actions are out of fear of punishment, let me just say, God has far much more in store for us than that surface relationship. He wants to do a much deeper work inside of us than surface lip service. He wants you to serve and love him because you truly want to. Jesus left his seat in heaven. He came down after us. He chased after us to win our hearts, all to put his so that he could write his law of love on the inside of us. The whole reason he came was to take the burden of striving to do all the right things away. I mean, why strive and strive and strive and just continue to fail? He came to show us that his law really is just about him loving us, and he wanted us to give us a glimpse of the kingdom of what is to come. God is revealing his will for us today by his spirit. 
And it's his spirit that will transform us to know him personally and intimately. Instead of just knowing about him, like he's God up there and he's all powerful and he gave us these commandments and all of this, that's all external perceptions. We need to learn to know the Lord on the inside of us. Truly knowing him is intimate and it's personal. It's like when two people are committed to each other in love. That's how God wants to be committed with us. A love for God is always about an external expression. It's all about traditions and worldly perspectives that, again, oh, I've attended. I never miss church. I read my Bible. Those are all good things. Don't get me wrong. But a love of God that becomes internal is actually transforming. And it's actually a much more exciting and more alive place to live. Like when you're in love when you're young and you have your first love and you're just crazy about that person, he consumes that person, that love of your life. They consume your thoughts, your actions, your emotion. You just can't wait to spend that next couple of minutes with that person. The power of love from God, that's what he wants between you and I. And through him. It's a compelling force inside of us that's a craving. You want to know him more. You desire him, and you just can't get enough of it. When the love of the Father truly becomes real, it's like an explosion inside of your heart. You go from just religion to, oh my gosh, the love of the Father is being revealed to me. It's freedom. It's like energy in your life. It's life-giving. People around you know it. They feel it. And when, you, when they talk to you, they can feel that love of God coming out of you. This type of reaction and a response is not from your own disciplines. It's not from your academics. It's not from your hard work. This is what comes when God steps in and flip-flops your heart all around. This is when he begins to write his law of love on the inside of you. When Jesus came, he said he fulfilled the law. Basically, he did everything that we could not do. He took the burden of our sin completely away. He took it out. And he said he summed up the law. Instead of these ten long commandments that were hard to remember, he said, I'm going to sum it up for you in two very simple, very clear, concise verses. And we can find that in Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law. All of it, in its fullness, all depends, and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, that doesn't mean the rest of the commandments just, boom, disappeared. Remember, we talked about how they are eternal. It just means that when these two commandments are set into motion together, something supernatural happens. All the other commandments just naturally happen and they become a part of you. 
Jesus wanted to keep his law very uncomplicated and very clear. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 6.2, it says, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Now, some versions say bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, I never realized, I always thought Jesus was the only one that fulfilled the law my whole life. I cannot tell you how this verse jumped off the page. This verse is telling us that we have the opportunity to fulfill the law of Christ as well. How do we fulfill the law of Christ? He wants us to bear one another's burdens. Romans 13, 10. Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation of love for one another. If you love your neighbor, this is so clear. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and such commandments are all summed up into this one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirement of the law. You are in the perfect will of the Father when you are walking in love. When Jesus died, he fulfilled the law by bearing our burden of sin. What God is telling us is that when we love others in that same way and we bear someone else's burden, we're actually mirroring what he did. We are mirroring what God did. When this happens, you will begin to feel God inside of you. You will be able to see what God sees. You will be able to hear what God hears. And you will move when God tells you to move. I know this, this is a, a church that, that really um, teaches and practices hearing and moving in the spirit. And I think it's very important to say that it begins, if you want to be used in those type of gifts and see what God sees and hear what he hears, it begins with being rooted in love in your heart. My dad would say, that will put you smack dab in the middle of his will. You will be completely fulfilling the law. Suddenly, the struggle with sin is less and less because your focus is not on what you're doing or how you're doing it. The focus is on him and who he has placed right in front of you. Your obedience to the law is natural to you. Why? Because you just want to please him, because you just love him so much. When the law of love is written on our hearts, we will in turn learn to bear one another's burdens. And we become like living love letters, love letters to the world. As I dove into this, I could not even get down all the verses that are written about this. These verses of Jesus telling us the importance of not just loving one another, but doing something with that love. So I'm just going to read a few here and allow the Holy Spirit to point them out, because certainly he can do a much better job than me. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Most of all, 
most of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Wow, just think about that. Sometimes when you're feeling really bad about something that you did, just think what love can do. It covers a multitude of sin. Hebrews 13, 16 says, don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Matthew 5, 42, give to those that ask. Don't refuse those who wish to borrow from you. That's a hard one. Listen, I know this is hard. Sometimes there are people that are just really hard to love. Sometimes we're very prickly people. I can be prickly. We all can be prickly. And believe me, you are going to have prickly people in your life. And sometimes people are going to ask you for things, and I promise you, you're not going to want to give it away. That's our human nature. We want to hold on to everything. And God is telling us to open up our hands and start giving it away. Proverbs 19.17 says, Those who are gracious to the poor lend to the Lord, and the Lord will fully repay them. Wouldn't you rather have the Lord give you things back? I would. He knows what we need even before we ask. Romans 12.13 says, Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, I had something in that I took out, but as I'm standing here, it's coming back to me. And I, the reason I'm going to say this is because there's a verse in the Bible that you might think would contradict this. This verse says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. But there's also another verse that God says, you know what? Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do it in secret. Now, why would you have one verse that says, hey, let the whole world see, and then the other verse that says, hey, do it in secret? And I thought about that. I'm like, Lord, Lord, how, how do those go together? And it dawned on me. Listen, when your heart... When God's law of love is written on your heart and you're doing it because you just love God and you want him to receive the glory, by all means, shout it in the streets. But if it's all about you trying to look good and it's all about you just trying to, you know, make yourself feel good and the motive of your heart is, oh, somebody's watching, I better behave. Oh, let me give this. I hope everyone saw it. No. No. You received your reward in full right then and there. The difference is you want to do an outside experience or do you want God to do the work on the inside? Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. Wow. Me and Jim have been talking a lot about this because it has just been burning in my heart. I'm like, Lord, why would I want to withhold something good from someone when it's in my power to do it? Why would I? Why do I struggle with it? Why is it sometimes hard to do something good? It's our human nature. But if it's in our ability and if it's in our power to do it, let me encourage you, do it. James 1.27 says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means 
caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. When I thought about that one, I'm like, refusing to let the world corrupt you. So what would that really mean? How is the world corrupting me? The world is corrupting me when I'm not caring for a widow or an orphan. If I see the need and I don't do anything about it, then I've been corrupted by the world. And I don't want to be corrupted by the world. I want to be filled with God's spirit. Matthew 25, 37 through 40 says, Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Is that powerful or what? I think we get the point. We've all heard it said that we cannot take anything with us when we die, right? That is true. We can't really take anything in this world with us. But the things you do in genuine love from your heart for God, he does not forget. And he does not discard any act of kindness. Revelation 14, 13 says, And I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this down. That means it's important. He wanted him to stop and write this down, what I'm about to tell you. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work. For their good deeds will follow them. Is that amazing? Our good things that we do for the Lord will go with us into eternity. That's the thing that we have to remember is that eternity is our target. From the moment you surrender to the Holy Spirit or the to Jesus and his Holy Spirit comes in. He partners with you as you go through life. The more we press into him, the more you will know him intimately. You will know him. You will know him. You will know him. You won't just know about him. You're going to know him right here. He steps in and he coaches you along the way. Your everyday struggles that are just dragging you down, I promise, will become less and less. That sin, it's going to start to look disgusting. That sin that you just so hate that's just right there, the more you turn your eyes towards him, the more that your grows dim, yucky, and you just want to turn your back on it. Bear one another's burdens, you fulfill the law of Christ to its fullest. God made it crystal clear how we can do that. Become loving. When given the opportunity to help someone, don't analyze all the reasons why you can't, why you shouldn't, they don't deserve it. Is it going to cost you something? Yep, it absolutely is. It's going to be hard. Yep. Let me tell you, 
I, I'm struggling with it. I'm God's working on me too. It's hard. But going back to where we started this morning, God loves to give us all new beginnings. He likes to take what we misunderstood about him. He likes to flip it all around and make it into something amazing. This year, it's a new year. There's no mistakes in it. You have the opportunity to dive in with the Lord like you never have before in your whole life. Be, if you're going to be hungry for something, be hungry for him, not the world. The world is just death. It has nothing to offer. We're going to eternity. Jude 1 through 24 says, Now all the glory to God who is able to keep you from falling. Who is able to keep you from falling? God. And when we're walking with him every day, he's going to keep your foot steady and on the right path. Now to the glory of God, who is able to keep you from falling and who will bring with you great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault, not one. Leaving the past behind is surrendering. It's all about surrendering to the love and the law of God because they're one and the same. He removed our burden of sin he removed the burden of striving. He removed the burden of carrying all these heavy things around. He just says, listen, I want to take that from you. Let me do it. I paid the price so you didn't have to just give it to me. His law is love. I don't know why he chose you and I. For some reason, God always chose to use humans. But you and I are the channel that God chooses to show his love. And it's not just preachers. It's just everyday people like you and me. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And it will be your kindness that will lead others to repentance. Never forget your need for God. Stay humble before him. Stay teachable. He has so many amazing things he wants to teach us. Love others. It sounds like what we would tell our children. Don't be selfish and don't be too busy. But instead, live in the perfect will of your father. It's a great place to live. It's exciting. So instead of just doing a regular altar call this morning, I, I wanted to just pray over you, and I wanted to just encourage you and lift you up and inspire you to dive into the Lord this year in 2022 and have him ask him, Lord, change my heart. Write your law of love on the inside of me. Let it explode in me like it has never done before. Let me see what you see. Let me, let me hear what you hear. And let me see the person that you've placed in my path. So if you would, if you would just bow your heads with me.
Heavenly Father, we just we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you came and you bore our burden of sin. You showed us what it looks like to fulfill your law. Thank you for loving us even when we were very far away from you. Please open our hearts. Help us to remain teachable. Help us to understand. Help us to know your will, your way, your law. Help us love your law. Show us the ones that you've placed in our path. Teach us, Lord, what it looks like and how to bear each other's burdens. Lord Jesus, we surrender to you now this morning. There's no other place we would rather be than with you. And we thank you in your precious name. Amen. If you guys would, I'd just like for you to stand and raise your hands. And I'm going to give you a blessing. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May his face shine upon you. May the love of the Lord be written on the inside of your heart. May it explode in a new way that you have never felt before. May his love transform you so that you can truly love others fully. And may you go out for 2022 full of hope for your future. And everyone said, amen. Well, the Lord bless you guys today. Happy New Year.